Okay, so this is a word of guidance that I got today. And uh, this, this little journey about doing what the Lord says, um, it's not that, that planning or prepping ahead of time isn't uh, okay to do. But I think the Lord's just kind of putting a sharp point on the fact that he's innocent with us and talking, and he certainly is doing that for me. And so this actually was a word of guidance in response to my coming to God over some fears. And so if, if you ever experienced that, maybe this, maybe this will help. Um, so here we go. So this was a scripture that I found of one father encouraging his son in the fear of failure. It was David encouraging Solomon. Okay. So let me read it. And David saith to Solomon, and I, I did this in Young's literal because he didn't put a lot of the clarifying words in and worry about grammar. So there's a, there's a little point in here where there's just a tremendous impact and, and Young's captured it better than the New American Standard did, I thought. And David saith to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do. That's the part that caught my attention. And you'll see why when I share with what the Lord said. Be strong and courageous and do. Do not fear or be affrighted, for Jehovah God, my God, is with thee. And you notice the personal aspect of it, the relational aspect. So we have David telling his son Solomon, don't be afraid, do. Because the God, my God, your God, God himself is with us. He's with us. And he's with you. He doesn't, doth not fail nor forsake thee unto the completion of all the work in the service of the house of Jehovah. And it's, it's, it really reflects a little bit on what your testimony is. The Lord's reminded you, I'm with you, so that should be enough. And let's see where it goes from there. Uh, but but that, just remember that one phrase, be strong and courageous and do. Do not be afeared, for Jehovah my God is with thee. Okay, next one is a, a general prophetic one uh, through Isaiah, specifically to that. But again, do not fear. Why? For I am with you. That's why. Don't fear because it's not a frightening situation. Maybe it is a frightening situation. Don't get frustrated because the, the save isn't working on this thing that you're, you know. But don't get frustrated because God has this. He's with you. He's in you. He has Tim coming. You know, that, that kind of thing there. Anyway, do not fear for I am with you. That's the part I just saw. And I do encourage you to, if you get a concordance or something, look up... Uh, fear or be afraid or any of those things and just see how many of the verses relate back to specifically because God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. So he says, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now I, I, I grew up in uh, an interpretive culture in scripture where that phrase, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, was endowed with all kinds, or now I would say limited, with all kinds of theological interpretation about, well, the right hand is the, uh, the, the might of God, the power of God. You know, okay, I'm, I'm not saying any of that was wrong. I'm not saying it was wrong when I taught it. I'm not saying it was wrong when I got taught to me. But what I am saying is that there is a sense that I would... I would give us permission to believe that that means 
in the hand. It means in relationship. It means like a father holding a child. It means like a person extending a hand to somebody that needs to lift up. And it's, it's right and necessary for us to think in those kind of interpersonal ways. So just give yourself permission. When it talks about don't be afraid, uh, because a lot of times it's going to be because I'm with you or because I'm going to take care of this for you or something along those lines. Anyway, I will help you. All right, so here's my own personal process, and that's really what I'm going to share briefly tonight, is my own personal process that, that I've developed over a while. Um, now, what actually happened was I woke up this morning, and I had some thoughts running through my head, and they made me afraid. And so I realized after this process cycled, which happened pretty quickly this morning, thank God, that I needed to get down and get with God. Um, and one of the funny things that's happened in my life in the last few years is I, I spend time journaling. Uh, this is, this is the, my latest copy of my journal, and it's just conversation between me and God. So I, I've done this for years. I've got thousands of pages of it. It always starts with, Papa, usually, or Father, uh, depending on how formal I feel. Uh, thank you. And then we move into other stuff. But I knew I needed to get there. And there have been times when I felt an accusation brewing around me, not from anyone, just my own spirit. So you just can't get through a day without sitting down with the Lord and kind of getting instructions or something. And it was weird. It was weird that there was a shame attached to that or some kind of accusation of deficit. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you just got to ask him what color socks to wear. Well, I only have white and black, so it's not a hard decision, you know. Uh, the, the Einstein principle, just get rid of all your choices and you don't have to spend much time thinking about that. But um, it, 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 was, it was really unusual. And this wasn't a terrible long time ago. It was just a few months ago. An accusation designed to produce shame because you have to or you choose to be dependent and interdependent with God. When I finally had a chance to sit down and learn over that, he says, well, you don't have to be ashamed of wanting to be with me or of needing my counsel or of not wanting to make decisions independent of me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm in you. I want to share your life. And then in the last few months, it's been even more of a lesson that I want to experience life with you and through you. And uh, for those of you that are visiting, uh, my wife and I were on the first ever sabbatical in our life. And we thought, I don't know what we thought, I, I won't speak for Vicki, but I had some ideas, you know, uh, those are supposed to be like spiritual things and all that kind of stuff. And ours turned out to be a lot of physical labor. And, and, but the Lord showed up in the middle of the most mundane things and proved that he absolutely loved living life in and with me. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And, and then, so it all, all turned around back to kind of what we're emphasizing right now. So the first thing happens is that I notice, and, and this is literally almost always when I wake up, uh, when, I, when it happens. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it did today. I notice that I'm feeling anxiety or fear about something. And I, I thought, can you tell when you're afraid? Okay. All right. So it's not an every second occurrence, right? Uh, and it's obvious if, uh, if there's something to cause you to be afraid, well, maybe that's a different issue. But just to wake up out of a relatively decent night's sleep and have that, that tightening feeling in your chest and that 
I'll keep going. So that's the start of it. And then almost always, some questions or some imaginations will start circulating in my head, and there'll be this sense of pending doom. Like, oh, things are, things are going to go bad. Okay? That happened this morning. And then at first, and unfortunately, and I don't know how to break this habit because it's just like ingrained in me, but I'll usually begin to reason my way. In other words, if it's a question or a situation, the first thing I'll start doing is kind of, okay, let me think that through. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. And, and sometimes that, that can actually get the better of me and last quite a long time. Today it didn't do that. Today it was fairly quick, but I still was working through scenarios, and I just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So usually I try to reason my way through it, uh, or I, I sort out these imagined scenarios, and one of them, it'll, I'll focus on it, and then I begin to run through options. But the, the thing I know that I'm engaged in something that's improper, or not, not, not productive is what I mean. I don't mean improper in the sense that God's mad at me because I'm sinning, that it's just not going to go anywhere, is that the fear lingers or even increases a little bit. And I, I can think back to some times in my life before I was good at getting out of this where those morning sessions of fear, or those late night sessions of fear, they would just be almost overwhelming. They would just, you know, like your chest is going to explode or something like that. I haven't had that in a while, thank God. But, uh, but this is still a, an occurrence that happens sometimes, and it did today. So knowing that the fear lingers and began to intensify, and then depending on the time, and this is, I don't know why I put this in here as one of my processes, but I want you to understand how this is a part and can be a part of normal life. So depending on what time it is in the morning when I wake up and I have these fearful thoughts. So if it's 4 o'clock or 3.30 in the morning, then I, I shoot up this like a little kid's prayer. Papa, I'm just, I can't think about this now. I just need to go back to sleep. So I release this thought, I release this stuff to you, and then I'll, I sleep with a lot of pillows, much to sometimes I think make <laughs> regret. And so I'll pile in all my pillows and I'll snuggle under the quilt, and I'll go back to sleep for a while and wake up and deal with it, you know, in a couple hours or whenever it is. Uh, this morning, it was, it was right about 5.30, 5.45. And that's late enough, usually, because I, I, I try not to stay up too late. That's late enough that um, I probably it's time to get up because the thought was present and it was serious. And usually I'll get up and get with Papa in this journal. And I'll, I'll, I have a little single uh, cup coffee maker and I'll make a cup of coffee and sit down and uh, turn the light on. It was a little bit early, so I had to have the light on. And then get with God. So that's what I did today. And here's an example of how. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it the way I do, but as we're talking about this, if this is striking a chord with you, I just want to lay an example out of what I did today because it, was, it really led to something wonderful. And it does almost every time. Uh, and again, I'm working on the assumption that when Jesus says in that day, you'll know that I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you, that he's telling the truth. And he's telling a truth that's bigger and more deep and more personal than we really can fully understand because how is he seated at the right hand of the Father? How is he, uh, you know, governing the world? How is he here, there, and everywhere? But he's also literally in a, in a with and in relationship with me. Well, I don't know how he does that, but I know it's true. I also know that if we can believe that, we can also believe that we're in him and that we're seated in heavenly places. And it opens up the whole realm of the kingdom to us in ways. So uh, I, you know, we talked a little bit about 
the song in Proverbs, uh, or the, the verse in Proverbs that says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll guide your path. Well, our understanding limits us to a realm that we can wrap our hands around, and we can wrap our mind around. But if we don't lean on our understanding, but instead acknowledge, and then uh, on Tuesday we talked about that a little bit, and Tim read a, a, a verse out of Passion. I love the Passion. I love Ryan Simmons. But the reason that one kind of, I kind of go, uh, was it said, put God first. Well, that's like a religious duty. Acknowledge God could be that, but it might also be, oh, Tanya, you're a visitor. Or, Maddie, you're here from Florida. You know, in other words, it's just acknowledging that he's here, and then I'll explain in a minute why that's important. Uh, so just the sheer acknowledgement in the midst of this situation, but you're in me. Yeah, Greg. Uh, me and Abby are really blessed because Abby goes to a Christian school and she requires they require memory verses, <clears throat> which helps keep me in the Word as well. Uh -huh. um, that was the one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I really felt like I was saying, go look up the word acknowledge. And I did. And you're right, it's not religious at all. It's draw near. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, somebody walks in a room and you acknowledge them. And you say hi or greetings or thank you. And with the Lord, you can that could lead to a full-blown worship session or something, you know, if you want to, because it'd be appropriate. Uh, so anyway, that's what I did. And so here is a little example. Oh, no, no, I wanted to lay my scriptural foundation too. So this one says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. This scripture got a hold of me years ago when I started journaling. And I, I figured and it, it kind of paralleled with the one in Psalms where it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So I just started thinking. That's why if you were to get a hold of one of my journals, almost every day it starts with father or daddy uh, or papa. Thank you for a day. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for, thank you for, thank you for. And so... Uh, I, I'm going to jump in a little bit past the very beginning of my journal, but it's, well, maybe not. Let me see. Who was I? No, I think I, I might have included it in here. If not, I'll come back and read the very opening. But just but the point is, it doesn't take a theological genius to take the scripture literally that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. No? So that's what I do. So it's, uh, that's this one. And this was something that your dad pointed out to me, and I, I recognize it when he said it, but I hadn't made the connection. Immediately preceding verse 6 is the last half of verse 5. It's, an, it's a complete sentence itself. The Lord is near. That's not a commentary. If you read verse 5, it talks about, let your gentle spirit be known to all, but the Lord is near, be anxious for nothing. So why be anxious for nothing? Because the Lord is near. He's not near in just a particular circumstance. He's not near in reaction to your prayer. He's not near in reaction to anything. He's a fixed near. And, and I'm not going to do the word study on it tonight, but I was excited when I glanced at it because it's the same word that means at hand. So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom being at hand, it's mostly using this same word. He's at hand. And the beautiful thing about kind of a, 
a literal, simple, childlike interpretation of Jesus saying that the kingdom is at hand and it's within you, it's paired with those two things, right? Is that that means it's not very far away. At hand means it's this close. And it's even closer to Sam because his arms are only this long. <laughs> right? So it, 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 everything is about relationship. Everything is about proximity. Everything is about nearness. And so anyway, this is the beautiful part. The Lord is near, so be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. And then this passage in Corinthians 10 is the one I was talking about. And again, when I first studied this, I studied it as a warfare passage, which I, I, you can make that case for it. But it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, and I, I use King James on this because it used the words imagination. Some use uh, arguments or some use speculations, and that's not a bad translation, but I'll explain why. Uh, for those we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So couple these two things together. The Lord is near, therefore be anxious for nothing, and cast down false imaginations that stand between you and knowing God is near. Um, the, the basic uh, root word of this gnosko has a component to it that means noticing, perceiving. And so really what these two scriptures do is they give me permission, and I would give you permission based on them, to say that your main form of spiritual warfare and personal discipline and growth and self-edification is to simply don't allow yourself to imagine that you're in a situation or facing a future or dealing with circumstances in which God is not there and not himself. Now, interestingly, the word down here um, that says, that, that is that word imaginations, I believe is the word logismo. And a, a lot of the other translations talk about arrogance even or speculation but one of the fundamental roots to that, and I've seen some translations that did it this way, calculations. Now, if I were to go back, which I'm not going to do, but in my little system, the first thing that I do naturally when I wake up afraid is I start calculating. Like, oh, how can I solve this problem? How can I fix this? How can I get out of this? How can I do this? So I like that logismo word. I like the, the logic to it, the calculation. But I also like the idea of, of vain imaginations, which is the way it's usually taught, because it means imagining something in, in, a, in a way that's not there. Now, think about that. How many of you have heard of this verse translated or read as vain imaginations? Okay, I have two. Now, think about uh, how many of you have heard that we're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain, right? Well, primarily, that doesn't mean cussing, it means nullifying the name of the Lord of its power and presence and authority. Stripping in your mind or magnifying, imagining in your mind that the Lord is not in you and with you according to what, what's on those scriptures there, according to what Jesus promised. The Great Commission, hey, all authority is given to me. And then there's the part we turn into law. Go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, do all these things. 
And if you go and ask your friends, can you quote the Great Commission, I would be willing to bet that over half the time, uh, people that you know study scripture will quote it, but they'll leave out the last verse, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. Because we focus on what we're supposed to do and be. Not that we're not supposed to do, that's what Solomon said, or what David said to Solomon. But we, we lose sight that we're, there's nothing you and I have been asked to do for the kingdom that the Lord is not with us. That is absolutely correct. And it's, it's a vain imagination to think so. And I think that's what this is, because it, if you read it that way, uh, mighty to God for the pulling down of strongholds, which of course are those things that are stuck in our heads, casting down imaginations that take God out of the present and out of the picture, casting down those imaginations and every high and, and lofty thing that lifts itself up against noticing that God's here. And if you had to describe the word of the religious leaders, I mean, in a word, the, the, the failure of the religious leaders in uh, Jesus' day, it's that while God was standing right in front of them, they didn't notice that he was there. They didn't know. They imagined that he was off someplace, that Yahweh was off someplace, and here was this interloper, and it blinded them to that. Okay? Cool. Does that make sense? So that's kind of the foundation. All right. So here is what uh, I said to the Lord this morning. Uh, yeah, so I, I did. I started right at the beginning. So I'll just read through this really quick. Uh, and again, this is just an example for you. If it inspires you to be honest and candid, and work your own thing out, that fulfills its purpose 100%. Papa, thank you for today. Thank you for a good night's rest. Thank you for your love for me and Vicki. Thank you for your work in and with, and there's a person's name in there. Vicki and I uh, ha have this challenge going on that's involving some people, and we got word that a, a, almost a miraculous or a very pleasant kind of turning happened, and so I was thanking the Lord for that happening in that person. Papa, thank you for being in and being with us all in these situations. Obviously, I need your help and your hope in all these things. But first, Papa, I woke up a little bit scared today of what all needs to happen and what might be needed financially in the near future. And in a very brief nutshell, we're trying to sell a second home that we own, and it's going to require uh, a fair amount of work from $20,000 to $50,000 you know, it's, we're going to turn out good in the end. It's going to be a long process, maybe. But that's, it. I, you know, I don't just have that kind of change laying around my pocket. And so it's, it, it was one of the sources of that kind of anxiety a little bit. So, but first, probably I woke up a little bit scared today of what needs to happen and what might be needed financially in your future. These thoughts of fear began leading, I'm, I'm writing this to the Lord, saying to the Lord, these thoughts of fear began leading to speculation that discount you and your love, your redeeming work, and your infinite power and your faithfulness. Now, I don't know if you're comfortable saying your thoughts and doubts like that out loud to the Lord, but you should be, because he knows them anyway. He knows them anyway. I had a friend who worked uh, with youth ministries who was totally stunned and hysterically laughing in private when one of his coworkers, a young woman, it, the thought that Jesus could see her when she was going to the bathroom just absolutely was a, a, a cognitive disconnect. She could not conceive of that. And he goes, what? And she goes, I, I mean, I, you know, I understand that's not the brightest moment of any of our day, but 
He knows. So this idea of don't let anything, don't let embarrassment, don't let a, a sense of propriety, anything. So for me, and I, I love Lord, and I don't like being a dorky guy, but uh, these thoughts of fear began leading in speculations that discounted you, your love, your redeeming work, and your infinite power and faithfulness. Now, after writing those two paragraphs and, and creating that little list and writing it down, here's what happened. This is the next thing. Father, even as I am listing these assumptions of what you would have to withhold from me for my fears to be true, it is growing obvious that these fears are completely ridiculous fiction because you're my father. You're my father. You're my savior, my king, my Lord, and my friend, Jesus. You are and ever will be my empowerer. And I learned that's not even a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. You're my empowerer and guide and comforter, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. So that's who you are. You're a good, good father, and I'm a, loved by you. I mean, and, and guys, this completely disarmed and disempowered the anxiety and the fear. It was just gone by that. And I don't consider that, I'm not sharing that like it's a positive confession or anything. It's a dialogue with, with the Lord who is with me. And lies and stuff like that can't stand it. They can't bear it. So in whatever form you can do this, I super encourage you to do it. And it, it works for me when I journal. And you might not need to journal. You could just sit there and pray or you could, you know, whatever. But anyway, that's, so that's how my conversation went. And then the Lord responded to me because the next thing I wrote was, okay, Papa, I'm listening. Okay, I'm listening. Oh, and did you notice, Dave, that it had been Papa, Papa, but when I realized how stupid that sounded, I switched to the more formal father. That's dumb. <laughs> and that's just me. I'm not saying you got to do that, but it's, it's, it's just a relationship. It's just communication, you know? When I, when I thought I was in trouble or when I thought I was need, really seriously coming to grips with it, I didn't call dad, dad. I, I, I call him other things, dad, father, whatever. Anyway, don't make a big point of that, but that's just what happened. So this is, and, and, and so here's a disclaimer that I don't need to make in this room, but some of you are visiting. I believe this is what God said to me from within me. Okay, that's what I believe. And I'm, I've done this enough to know two things, that he does that a lot, and a lot of it is amazingly revelatory and wonderful. And I also know that in my journal, I put a little triangle when I think God's saying something and a little O for original when I think I'm thinking. I know that I have things in my journals with a triangle next to them that God didn't say. That was me. I'm okay with that. And he's okay with that because he knows who he's redeeming. He knows what my faults are. He knows what my prejudices are, my mistakes are, all those things. He knows who he's redeeming. So this is what I believe the Lord wrote. And this is what I gave you guys the paper for. Don't waste time and energy looking back. Instead, look forward and hope. But do, and that's what that scripture that Solomon told David was so, but do, 
today with me by your side. And in the assurance that I am in you and in Vicki, and I am also in those all around you, all of you here at Joyland. And then there was a list of very specific people, some general uh, categories of people like brokers and stuff. Uh, Vicky's family has a big brouhaha going on back in California and the Lord sort of jokingly even said, even people in California, <laughs> I'm with, <laughs> even people in California. It was, it was just fun. Uh, and then he addressed me, my image bearing son, friend and heir. Our relationship of love, dignity, and high destiny is the context of your hope. When you see and yield to and imagine, yes, imagine me in your life and circumstances as they truly are in and with me, hope is the true natural expression and experience of reality. Now you've got to understand that by this time, the, that, that swirling vagueness of fear is just blown out. It's not there at all. And I'm just going, you're amazing. This is awesome. I can't wait. Hope is both an amazing, this, this is all kind of in line. This is exactly the order he said it. Hope is both an amazing miracle in a fallen world. And in me, it is the most natural expression of truth there is or can be. Now, that's smarter than me. That one I don't think I wrote. I think God actually said that. Um, this hope rooted in my presence and my goodness toward you does not disappoint. Larry, my love for you will neither quit. And this is an interesting thing. What I said, it says there, he wrote it down. Or I mean, he said it to me as my son, Harold believes. Harold, I believe, is a friend of mine. And Harold and I go back and forth about what it means that love never fails and love never quits. Harold says that it means love never quits but he allows the room that love might not succeed. It's okay. Uh, I thought it was funny that the Lord super personalized this around a point that just exists between me and another minister friend of mine. It was really awesome. So Larry, my love for you will neither quit as my son Harold believes, nor fail to accomplish my good pleasure of you and everyone's restoration and full redemption as you know, see, and believe. Now is a lot to think about. It was really encouraging. Then he said, love never fails. My spirit is never barred from access, ultimately. And I thought about that for a minute. And it means that his spirit can get in eventually. It was pretty cool. Light is never dimmed or permanently <laughs> obscured. Can it be hidden? Yes. Permanently? No. Is there any form of darkness? that can withstand the relentless shining that God being light is? The answer is no. It was very encouraging. And then the last one, because you know our God is a consuming fire, right? And fire is never quenched in the face of my favorite fuel. And that is all that is in you and in this creation that is not a part of my image and my glory and all that is not of love's nature and kind. That is the fuel that stokes the fire of God. The consumption of all of that. If you will see this, and then he gave me this little attaboy. It was awesome. Which you do and you will, and I delight in you for it. You will have hope. And you will overcome with me, as I did, 
And yes, you are able to help others see this even tonight. So, that's the only message I have. It was an experience that I had today, but those of you that know me know that there's a lot of dialogue like that, and it's always that good. So your thoughts, your comments, anything along the lines, that, that paper's there in case that helps you. Don't think you've got to mimic it or me, but just, just trust him and dialogue with him and let him speak to you. Ronnie. Some of you, I got to Yeah, Where am Some of you know a little bit of my process that I've gone through with a Snapchat and it involved depression. When Larry earlier on said, you guys know what fear is like, you know that feeling? Do you recognize it? Someone that's depressed has that all the time. But you still recognize, it. you don't just get used to it, it's just there. And so I'm only telling you that for empathy so that you could somehow relate to someone that's struggling with that. I was still a believer, but I was suffering under that for such a long time that I couldn't see hope. And so I'm, I don't know why, but I think God wanted me to just spread that out there that you can be thankful that you don't have fear all the time. And it's good to be thankful for that. Amen. And I don't have that anymore. Praise God. Yeah. Okay, we go ask it on the mic. Zoomers, if you guys got anything. Hello, I'm a little nervous. There you go. Okay, I just, um, I have a question. Um, so when you say there's a burning in your heart, does that mean it's burning out the, all the bad Oh, you mean God's fire? Yeah, God's fire is real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can feel, well, in my own personal, for, speaking for me, I can feel the, the fire burning and stuff. Sometimes I'm afraid of it, but then I kind of welcome it if it's from God, you know, yeah. but I'm not sure what's going on there. So that means... So here's something that, that I, yeah, here's something I anchor that on in First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about how every work that we build is going to be tested by fire. Yes, I'm aware of that. And it says, and uh, if you've built on wood, hay, or stubble, as opposed to stone, you will suffer loss through the mm-hmm. destruction of those things, but you yourself will be saved. And so I believe that there is a purifying fire, just like there is, it's talked about fuller's uh, soap or, or, or purifying gold, where the impurities get burned away. Mm-hmm. And it Essentially, what it's doing is it's revealing the created you, mm-hmm. the real you. That is the real you. Um, a, a friend of mine um, has a, a ministry called Imago Day, and one of the symbols that she uses, and kids understand it, is like a diamond wrapped in poo. How valuable is a diamond wrapped in poo? Exactly as the diamond is when it's clean, (laughs) but it doesn't look like that. And some people treat Christianity like it's a self-cleaning operation. Others, I think, have a revelation that God is the one, not through some external, distant, fireball judgment type thing, but through the embrace 
He is, it says, our God is a consuming fire. And, and the writer to Hebrews is talking about worship in that, coming to God, let us worship with reverence and awe. So God doesn't have to do anything external to purify us if we'll just allow him to embrace us. So then he's purifying us from within when you yeah. feel the fire. Getting rid of the things that, uh. that, that have been attached to us through fear or through sin or uh, just in the rough and tumble of the world. Okay, so it's a process of being purified. Yeah. Purified. I see. And, and, but purification is, is, is revealing what we are. We're made in the image of God, right? Right. A religion. Right. Then there are all kinds of things that layer over to obscure that. And that's what he is excellent at getting rid of. So we don't need to be afraid of that. Okay. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, it's interesting. Anybody, really. It's interesting when she was just talking about uh, God's consuming fire, because uh, we just had an, an ascension on Thursday. And it was interesting because Jesus led us into this inner sanctum. We'd never been there before, uh -huh. but he invited us in with Melchizedek and uh, Enoch. And we were in there and God gave us consuming fire. There was a fireplace in the corner of this room and it was bright. And the Lord showed us, he said, this is my consuming fire. Oh, wow. And Jesus confirmed that. And that fire, as we were praying and getting together in the inner sanctum, got bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, this beautiful light came in and the walls were covered with this uh, beautiful, all kinds of stones, mm -hmm. you know. So it was just beautiful inside there. And they had all these words of wisdom. I can't go into what we did for two hours. But, but one thing I wanted to bring out is that then the Lord actually out of that consuming fire threw a fire to us and he burned the fire into our hearts. And we said, Lord, and he said, I'm burning my love into you. Again, he's, he's light, love, spirit, and fire, uh -huh. you know? And so when you ask about the consuming fire, we should always invite his consuming fire. That's just part of who he is and his love for us. And it was just awesome what happened through that experience. Yeah. So I just want to share that. And, and I, you know, I, I can't guarantee it's not going to hurt like heck sometimes because some of that stuff's rooted in pretty deep, you know? Go ahead, Craig. Uh, before I say anything, I probably should ask permission because I don't know if you shared this with the church regarding a mound of dirt that you were having to deal with. Oh, oh, uh, is it okay? I, I did. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, there's several people here that don't know it, but yeah, okay. I got it. Um, hearing David's testimony about the very moment that he's just irritated, uh, to put it mildly, Tim shows up with that timing. It's like Abba was right there going, hang on, let's. I'll take care of it. And you you gave a testimony. You were doing some kind of project in the backyard. You've got a big backyard. Um, and you really did not want to dig up this large pile of dirt you needed. You needed some soil. And uh, you're not a fan of gophers, I don't think. <laughs> and it turns out as you were driving the van and you open the door of the van, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You open the door, and there's a mound of dirt right there. It was just the right door. size for the project I needed at the other house. The time and location really encourages me on you guys' testimonies because a couple of weeks ago you taught on a really important translation difference between God kind of being by us doing stuff for us 
and us being in union. And to me, these are profiles of us being in union with Very Christ. Much so. uh, it, it doesn't involve your thought prayers were basically, I don't want to do this. Right, right. And his thoughts were, I'm, I'm getting very irritated. And he meets us where we're at. To me, that's what union looks like rather than a few years ago, you would talk about beware of transaction. Transaction, quid yeah. pro quo stuff where, where you, Jesus you, is kind you of just sending stuff God down do to that. us and yeah. he's here with us. So yeah, and it's not, it's not, it doesn't give me permission to be indifferent to doing the right thing. But if God's redemptive plan for me requires me thinking and doing the right thing all the time, it's a very poor plan. Because <laughs> it won't work. Because I don't. And I don't think I can. Well, the wonderful thing about that is, Daddy likes me. Some, I used to not like myself. There wasn't a mirror in my house anywhere except in the bathroom. And now I've got one sitting right by my bedroom door that I look at. Praise God. And, and do like that. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, even the other day when I was irritated with what was going on, Daddy was right there. That lesson that you taught Friday was on. I felt I was sitting on the toilet the other day talking to Dad. There you go. I was thinking about uh, Philippians chapter four. That was going through my mind as I was talking to Daddy. All of these things that you talked about today, I've experienced this week, and. And through all of this stuff, stuff that I'm learning, stuff that I'm hearing, stuff that daddy has to repeat to me, he doesn't mind doing any of that. Yeah. He doesn't. And I absolutely love it. I mean, I think about getting irritated with a stupid computer program and getting ready to leave. And daddy's right there. And I got this. I got this day. Uh -huh. And I go right back in there and I'm feeling great. And I'm talking to this man about daddy and divine appointments and and. If we can just get it in our hearts, if Dave can get it in his heart and in his head and in his mind and in his body, that daddy thinks I'm pretty cool. And he thinks you're absolutely wonderful. Yeah, before you leave, one other point that you just made, the fact that what I was sharing, uh, this wasn't a sermon obviously that I prepped out of a book or something, you know, this is, me trying to be obedient to this whole thing. Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? The fact that you, this week, related to some of these things, things that teaches us about the value of this community mm -hmm. and giving place for one another and listening and making room. You know, and I'm still working after this revelation on how to talk less so you can talk more. And I obviously didn't do that great a job tonight. But we're doing it now. So, so that is a big lesson to learn, is that, He's speaking. He is with you and 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 me. And what he is doing and saying is critical. It's critical if we are to understand what he's doing, period, and understand the kingdom and stuff. So thanks for bringing that up. And one more thing. I don't thank Daddy for another day. I thank him for another day closer to being with him. Praise God. Because there are times when I'm driving... And I'll say, Daddy, if you want me now, I'm ready. Let me pull over. <laughs> Amen. Anybody else? And those of you that are visiting stuff, feel free. Uh, share what, what the Lord's doing and saying to you is every bit as important or more than what he's doing and saying to me. So you just got to step up to the mic so our folks on Zoom can hear it.
So um, if you know me, I love quotes and sayings and stuff like that. So uh, Bill Johnson has a saying, it says, I can't afford to have any thought in my head that's not in God's. And then um, you mentioned shame earlier, and um, uh, there's a Jesuit priest in LA named uh, Father Gregory Boyle, and I was listening to one of his teachings um, as I was driving uh, today, and it's uh, he said, shame is a lack of self-love. Uh. And, and then of course, the one that you've probably heard me say before, worrying is imagining the future without the goodness of God. Yeah. And then this is the way I process. There's a, the scripture that says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And then another quote, Graham Cook. When God looks at us, he doesn't see what's wrong. He sees what's missing. So I use that scripture that I just mentioned before as an equation. If I am dealing with fear, I am missing power, love, or a sound mind. Because if I have all three of those, fear has no place mm -hmm. in my life. And so I found for myself, when I'm dealing with fear, most of the time I feel powerless. So this has just been a great way for me to find ways. I don't, we shouldn't be going face to face with fear. Because it should never get that close. Amen. That's a great. That's great. Let me grab my water before I start. Oh, let's see. There you go. Yeah, all of this has reminded me of a made. This has been a major year in one way. Um, last, I'm living in someone's ministry house. So when she's praying, her prayers come through the wall of her section over to mine. And also, I know she prays for me. I always have someone praying for me big time. <laughs> and um, God is really getting me somewhere. It's really good. Last December, I started being able to connect with his love in a profound way that I knew was someone busting stuff out of my life that was in the way. And um, so when I would take time to to um, engage with that, it would change me, momentarily at least. And I know it will build up something inside of me. But then recently, um, I texted with an older sister who lives in another state, and I forgot that some people don't turn the sound off on their phone. And so this was hitting her place at midnight. And normally, Years ago, she would have just texted, hey, sweetie, it's midnight here. <laughs> and then that would have been all. But instead, she texted a couple lines, and then something that I knew from her was a really nasty low blow that hurt so bad. I was, and some other things that happened a couple years ago, and I was just texting her that I didn't send it. I knew, don't send it. Just text it because you feel the need to. And I didn't send it. I just was ready to say, I'm done. I will take your name off my phone. I will not write you ever again. Forgot it. You know, I was just, I was ready to cut her out of my life. It hurt that bad. She's an older sister too. So that may, like 15 years older. So she might be kind of almost a mother figure. But um, the thing was, was that part of me knew there's probably something else going on. And for the first time in my life, I was able to turn to Jesus inside of me. And I knew he was there. And I never known that before. I always felt like God was far away. And this time I knew Jesus was inside of me. And I talked to him and I said, Jesus, inside of me, do something with my heart. I need you to do something right now before I do something wrong. 
And he did. And it lifted things enough that night that the next morning I was able to delete that text with, so it wouldn't get sent. <laughs> and um, uh, anyway, my heart still hurt over and over again for a few few weeks, and it's only been the last few days it hasn't. Uh, and, but uh, it was just so wonderful to know he was there. Anyways, then I was with a friend and we were praying about it and she got the download and she was afraid to tell me what it was that was hurting my sister so bad it was making her insane. And she's never been insane. She's very practical. But <laughs> her, her older kids, her two of her kids who were in their 50s are alcoholics and it's, it's really bad. So it's destroying her. And when my friend was afraid to tell me that, she, she started saying, I'm sorry, but it's alcoholism in her kids. And I'm like, thank you, thank you, because it helped take it off of me. But if I had, but it was, you know, it was the Lord who first worked in my heart. And I need to remember this yeah. and keep doing what Larry was, Larry was talking about up here. I mean, it's no accident that we came tonight. We like to come to Joyland, but there's God usually directs where we go each Friday night. And it was like, yeah, this is the message for now because I'm ready to embrace it and run with it and to remember he's with me. But even when I'm under anxiety about getting things done in a day where I'm throwing a fit and you know, cussing and, and just you know, all upset about nothing because that's what I've known all my life. It's like, I, oh, I can turn to him and say for the little things <laughs> that I don't have to throw a fit about little things either. This is so it's really, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. <laughs> Amen. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm on a little bit of a process um, of uh, learning to be grateful and about everything. And so uh, I'm trying to capture some of the thoughts and emotions that have come up in me at different periods of time in my subconscious. And I react and I'm going, and, and so I go with the reaction. Okay, so now I'm beginning to thank God for the reaction and say, wow, that was fear. Cool. What is this about? And so that, that's how the process that I'm beginning that's to right. learn how to do and is because I'm, there's a thing called zap it and trap it and there's some other stuff, but, but I'm trying to, to grab it and, and not just go with the emotion of the unconscious, and allow us, because I don't want to be dictated to by an unconscious, whether it's uh, things that have been taught to me as a child, or um, experiences that I've had, or whatever is back there, that is not the real me. It's, it's environmental stuff that has come to me, and I absorbed it as me, and it's not from Yeshua. Yeah. And so, um, I'm beginning to get on a process of um, this week. <laughs> Tom and I get up in the morning uh, and and we do communion and stuff. And I was a total mess. And so, so uh, poor little guy, <laughs> he just looks at me going, "What am I going to do with you?" Anyway, <laughs> anyway, but um, but I, I I was really afraid. And it's really interesting that you brought that up because because. Um, Normally, I would just try to quell the emotion and just buck up, you know, put on my big girl pennies and go, I can do this, you know, because I had to go to work. And I decided, no, how about if you are thankful for this? 
And you go before the Father and say, hey, you must be trying to tell me something about what you want to clean out, what that fire is about, and what you want to clean out in me. Because otherwise, if I negate it, and I throw it away, or I just deal with it, or stuff it, or whatever, something like that, then that behavior will be propelled by the emotion. And so I'll continually have this gerbil wheel of emotion and behavior and emotion and behavior and becomes my personality. And I don't want that personality anymore. I want the personality that the Lord wants me to have, that I was created to have as a white light being. Okay. So anyway, you were just talking about, you know, what ways do you handle? Well, that's how I begin to handle some of these things. Disappointment, shame. Um, I was at work and I was overwhelmed with just stuff. And I went, okay, stop, breathe. What's the overwhelm? Why are you overwhelmed? And asking, you know, the seven spirits of God have become like little friends. <laughs> I'm going, okay, understanding. I need to know what's going on. I need wisdom. <laughs> you know, I'm going, help. Um, but, but he dwells in me. And so I can, if I stop long enough and breathe and just come back down a little bit of a level, then I may not have the answer right away, but at least I can come back down, you know, from off of those emotions um, pushing me to react to where I, I can be in the present moment and not have to react and then just can relax and, and be able to, to um, be thankful again and say, Amen. I know you're showing me this stuff and I want to get rid of the junk. So cool. So, that day I said, come on, fear, I embrace you. I look at you and I go, thank you for showing me something that I need to know. And so when I turn it, when I, at least the last two weeks, when I turn it, whether it is shame or fear or guilt or not enough, that the big not enough is a big one for me. And I'm going, oh, that's that not enough stuff again. And I'm going, okay, so let's get to that. Let's, let's uh, change that around a little bit. So it's just another, <clears throat> you know, technique or whatever, and maybe that'll help or whatever. But um, I don't know, it's just, it's been helpful for me in the last few weeks to just learn to be thankful for every single feeling, emotion, anything that's coming and acknowledge, oh, that's part of the old me, and God's trying to get rid of it because I'm the new me. Yeah, yeah that's great.